Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, when we left you yesterday, after some very, very dodgy shout outs, not overseen by David Law, uh, it had already been the most breathless and exhilarating Grand Slam day that either I or Matt could remember. Uh, It's possible that David Law, with his more exhaustive and long memory, might have been able to set us straight on that. But um, in terms of me and Matt, it was about as dramatic as it gets, and somehow it found a way to get more dramatic after we stopped recording. When we left you, Naomi Osaka wasn't quite cruising. It was a competitive match against 18-year-old Leila Fernandez, and it continued to be a competitive match, but one that looked like it was going to script. Naomi Osaka was a set-up, a break to the good, and serving for the match, and... Barring a few moments from that point onwards, she somewhat fell apart. Now, that's that's a slightly reductive take on on what happened. Leila Fernandez was and is extraordinary. I will never understand biomechanically how she produces the power that she does. Um, but she <laughs> she does it. Um, so there's there's a lot there's a lot more to that loss than than just Naomi Osaka being being not right but Matt Naomi Osaka is is not right and we could we could see that in the match it was it was a very almost as soon as she lost the game to serve for the match there was a there was a defeat about her body language wasn't there even though she was very much in it at that stage and she was still playing some very very good tennis somehow mentally it all seemed to go away so so quickly Mm. Um, we wondered if she would come to press. She did come to press. Um, and the, there were a lot of arresting and distressing and saddening quotes in there. Um, probably the the headline one is hearing her say, I feel like when I win, I don't feel happy. I feel relief. And when I lose, I feel very sad. And I don't think that's normal. And then through tears, she said she would, be taking a break from tennis and she wasn't sure when she would be playing next and at that point she pulled her visor down was very very clearly 
crying and struggling should say that she was given the opportunity to to duck out of that press conference at a, at a couple of moments she and she, she insisted she wanted to get that out there um but it was very very tough to watch matt it was yeah it was all quite tough to watch you know starting as you said with that moment she lost her serve at 6-5 in the second set just as you've described as soon as she cracked and lost her serve it was clear that it was such a thin layer of confidence that she'd had through the match I don't think she'd been returning particularly well but she'd been faultless on serve she hadn't faced a break point up until that point but then in that tie break I think she went five love down in it she she tossed her racket um there was there was a lot of stress she was far from her best and she went on to lose the match and then the press conference was a very tough watch um it actually reminded me very different circumstances very different reasons but it reminded me of Andy Murray's press conference at the 2019 Australian Open um that one at the start of the tournament because she so clearly had something she wanted to say and that was the defining feature of that Murray press conference it was it was him telling the world something he'd been sort of living with for for months um she answered four questions in English first, was was pretty sombre but pretty composed as well. And then the question which prompted that answer that you've just read out was in Japanese. I'm not actually sure what the question was, um, but Osaka takes questions in Japanese and, and she answers them in English, and, and that was her answer. And sort of while she was giving that answer, she looked over to someone, I'm, I'm guessing her agent, certainly someone in her team, um, to say... I want to say what we talked about in the hallway. You know, they'd clearly had a discussion before the press conference. Um, She had something she wanted to say and she said it. You know, she told people she's not okay. She wants to take a break from the sport. Um, It was really hard for her to get it out. There were lots of pauses when she said that. But, you know, what a a brave thing to do, to say it. Um, And it was a really stunning moment, actually. And I think... Shocking at the time, but I think we don't know when we'll see Naomi Osaka again on the tennis court. We don't know if we will see Naomi Osaka again. I think the future will also dictate kind of how we see this press conference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, <clears throat> I, I I find myself wondering, and we've <laughs> we've no real way of, of an- answering this, um, how many top tennis players... Not necessarily top, but I, I expect it's exaggerated at the top. Have felt this way, and not felt able or inclined to express it and be open about it in the way that Naomi Osaka has. I mean, it's lonely at the top. That's a cliche about sport, mm. isn't it? And it's sort of a throwaway. Yeah, that's you know the small price that you have to pay, but maybe it's not that smaller price. Um, and I'm not saying there's not stuff very unique to Naomi Osaka and her experience going on. But what definitely is unique is the way she is opening up about it. And that was, I was incredibly brave, I think. Uh, whatever you might think about all the the particulars of of everything that sort of unfolded with her relationship with, with the press and with the sport over the past few months, that was a very brave thing to do. And 
it's not for us to comment on whether taking a break is the right thing. If she thinks it's the right thing, then it's the right thing to do and tennis will miss her. Um, but I don't want to watch her playing tennis, being unhappy. Don't want, don't want to watch anyone being unhappy. So we absolutely wish her well, as we do. David Law, who you'll notice, is not, is not just staying silent. I haven't gagged him. Uh, he is absent for another night. Um, he's taking it easy. He's OK, folks. Uh, he welcomes any and all messages of of wellness. Yes. Um, he's, he's, he's in a conscious enough state to gladly accept and, and receive well wishes, uh, but, but not in a well enough state to um, coherently tribute to the pod, contribute to the podcast. Um, so hello, David. We very much hope he's currently asleep. We, we do. We do. Annoyingly, just, just to wrap up events from last night, somehow, despite living in a sort of fever dream, he still managed to ace the predictions. <laughs> he did, didn't which he? Which is annoying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because Francis Tiafo beat Andrei Rublev, um, which I like Rublev, but I sort of love. I love that Francis Tiafo said, I know my draw. I know I've got Rublev. I'm coming for you, Rublev, and did it. Totally. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it is. And he's got he's got star quality and he and it, showed it. It seems it. like the slam that's all about star quality, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There was There was one point where he broke in the third set. And he held the volley position that he'd won the point with all the way to the chair, just sort of sprinted to the chair in a volley pose and, and sort oh, of got the crowd there involved. There are certain players that if they did that, I would want to punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely not Francis Tiafoe. No, ab- absolutely. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't need a bathroom break to change his clothes, does he? He... Um, in fact, he took his shirt off for his post-match celebration. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just think it was a real, really cool moment for him. I think he's back in the fourth round at the US Open, second year in a row. And actually, that that feels like a significant result. Um, on the same evening that Felix Auger-Aliassime beat Roberto Bautista-Agu in, in five sets, we lost yesterday from that half of the draw, Sitsapas, Bautista-Agu and Rublev. Um, this Are you going is, to tell me something that they all have in common? I I just think it's significant for the tournament mm, in terms okay. of one of Alcaraz. There, there will be an unseeded semi finalist, won't there? There's going to well, there's mm. going to be a very unlikely semi finalist, um, and you know Medvedev was already the favourite in that half of the draw, but I just think the path has really cleared for him. There are a lot of threats. All these players are playing very well, of course, but. None of them have the experience that a Sitsipas, a Bautista Agu, and even maybe not quite Rublev in slams, but just the sheer amount of winning Rublev has done just feels like he's he's dangerous. He's Jim Courier's favourite for the tournament, Medvedev. He great, is. great line in the Prime Video coverage today. There'll be more on uh, more on Djokovic, obviously, a bit later on in the show. Um, in fact, there'll be more on <laughs> on all of today's events just late, uh, later on in the show. But just matter a quick word on. Leila Fernandez. Mm. She she's so cool. I know we've said that about a lot of people over the past kind of twenty four, forty eight hours. Um and I'd seen her play before, I'd been really taken with her play before, but I still didn't know she had what she what she showed us last night, not just in terms of her play, which is 
dazzling. You you don't know where the ball is going when it comes off her racket. It's it's, it's like a magic wand. But I thought the interview she gave to Mary Jo Fernandez on the court afterwards was was brilliant. I think I said to you, she seems at once uh, completely surprised and sort of unbothered <laughs> by the victory. She seemed in disbelief, in a state of disbelief, and also just, well, yeah, of course. She was giggling through the interview and yet also coming out with these killer lines like, yeah, I believe like a win from the start of the match. Yeah, Mary Jo Fernandez said at what point in that match, bearing in mind she was a set and her opponent was serving for the match, her opponent, the defending champion, was serving for the match. And Mary Jo Fernandez said, at what point did you start believing that you could win? She said, before, right at the start. And she said it with such conviction mm. and poise and there is yeah. such a fire in her. Yeah, there is. And from the moment she broke back to get the second set level, she was completely nerveless, I felt. You know, you said when she stepped up to serve for the match, she's going to serve this out. There was just no hint that she wasn't going to. She was, yeah, just nerveless. But she also embraced the moment. You know, she was, I think, very aware of what what an occasion this was and how much the crowd were responding to her. And, yeah, I mean, her tennis, just as you said right at the top of the podcast, how she generates the power with, A, the very slight frame that she has, and, B, the take back on the forehand. I mean, there practically isn't a take back. And that, I think, is what gives it the disguise that you're talking about. You just do not know where that shot is going. She's... Very, very unique playing style, and mm. that can that can really bother opponents. I think, I, you know, she's eighteen, one of many eighteen-year-olds making waves in this tournament, and we're going to be seeing so much more of her. Well, Matt, you have led me on very nicely. <laughs> Just when we we thought, you know, we'd ridden out the wave of eighteen-year-old sensations yesterday, Emma Raducanu, eighteen years old. From Great Britain, we knew she was good. This is not the first time she's reached the fourth round of a Grand Slam. She did it just a few weeks ago. And yet my jaw is still on the floor from what she did earlier, who she showed us that she was earlier, Matt. Six love, six one over Sara Saribes Tormo, who is, as I think we said on last night's podcast, arguably the most improved player of the year on the WTA tour. Um, and a player that I think commands real locker room respect mm. as win or lose, she makes you work for it. Nothing comes easy. <laughs> and yet love and one <laughs> looks awfully easy. Emma Raducanu made tennis on the biggest stage with the highest stakes look so easy today and as I said on the prime video coverage we've officially reached the stage where I'm no longer going to police any of the pundits for getting too overexcited about Emma Adekarnu for overhyping her all bets are off now I'm not sure there is such a thing as overhyping I mean it is what it is her her talent was there for all to see today and it is dazzling yeah, I mean, speaking of overhyping, I came up with a with a line that put her in the company of Chris Everett, Monica Seles, and Jennifer Capriati. <laughs> uh, 
And I sort of reluctantly tweeted it. But then I thought, no, I am going to tweet it because it's just a fact what she's achieved. And, and that is reaching the fourth round of both her first two Grand Slams is something that those players have achieved. Um, you know, I was really going through the, the great names in tennis looking how they did in their first couple of slams. And those were the ones I found who this, who matched it. This isn't even Matt's stat for folks. This is this is just an auxiliary stat mm. that Matt has in his, in his pocket. If you want the real stat, sign up to the newsletter. But yeah, I mean, the result is a surprise to me. I thought Cerebus Tormo would win. I thought it would be very close. The manner of the result and the manner of her victory is completely astonishing to me i mean she just didn't allow cerebus tormo to do what she does you know cerebus tormo gets you in her grip and just gradually sort of strangles you and ensnares you and raducanu just didn't allow that she was taking the ball at the top of the bounce and just pummeling ground strokes for winners she just smothered cerebus tormo and you know, everything was going through my mind of watching Carlos Alcaraz do the same to Sitsipas for four games on, on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. And I kind of had Jim Courier's voice ringing in my ear him, and him saying, it's not sustainable, it's not sustainable. Raducanu sustained it for the whole match. It was an unbelievable performance. She pulled the trigger at the right time in all the rallies, sometimes early, sometimes building them. Always picks the right shot. Always. And that is, that is a superpower. The more, I'm going to sound so long in the tooth now, but David's not here, so someone has to. The more tennis I watch, the more years I work in tennis, the more I realise that that is the superpower. I'm not sure that's something you can really learn or teach. You can maybe develop it, but if you don't have the raw, the chip, if you don't mm. have the chip, then you're, you're going to struggle. You can look brilliant. But it, it's the difference maker at the top and it, <laughs> she's got the chip. Yeah. And she's got time on the ball. I always think that's another similarity between all top players. They, they just have an ability to sort of slow the match down when it's on when the ball's on their side it's, of the court. It's an optical illusion, isn't it? And speed it up yeah. when it's on the other Murray when does it's on that. their opponents. He does it brilliantly. Um and she just went on the court with such a clear plan on the on the prime footage before the match. She was showing some of her practicing, and what was clear in that practice was that she was taking on sort of drive volleys. And I hadn't thought about it, but that was just the perfect tactic for facing Cerebus Tormo because if you go with power, she might slice it and get a high ball. And she and the number of shots she took out of the air and took early. Was just so so impressive. Um, she she gave a line afterwards, didn't she? A brilliant line. I think in the the press conference she mm. gave a lovely interview to us on Prime, but she gave some sort of more reflective lines in press about how she really wanted to join the Alcaraz Fernandez gang. Yes, yeah. She said that seeing those two eighteen year olds do what they did yesterday motivated her, and you know she she wanted to be part of that story in this tournament and she, she's she's got a real game mode in her press conference you know she, she does give good lines but she's also quite detached from the emotion of it you know she, I think you know she recognizes how incredible it is and she's obviously 
absolutely delighted and that comes through. But she's not getting caught up in it either. She's very focused on the next match. She wasn't getting into any chat about Ash Barty. It was all, well, Ash Barty hasn't won yet. And I'm through to the fourth round. And I'll talk about that when I know who the opponent is. You know, it was it was sort of just beyond just beyond her years, really, in terms of knowing how to approach a tournament, I think. And uh, live update uh, <laughs> thereof, Ash Barty trails by a set to Shelby Rogers. She is uh, a break-up in the second set uh, with Love 30 on the Rogers serve. And uh, I'll, I'll leave any conclusive statements about where this match might be going out for now because uh stitched myself right up on last night's podcast didn't i <laughs> with uh, Osaka and Fernandez goings on but um i think we we'd all still be backing Barty to come through at this stage and and set up that Radicanu clash but even if she does i give Radicanu a chance definitely yeah definitely Look- I, I mean i don't know how you could see that performance today and not give her a chance against literally anyone, anyone, um, world yeah. number one or not. Yeah, I mean, I had a look and the the average rank of opponents that Raducanu has faced in these Grand Slam runs, Wimbledon and, and here, is 83. So you can look at that and think, okay. But Saras Ribas Tormo is 41. And she thrashed Saribas Tormo. And Cerebus Tormo beat Barty at, at, at the, the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, mm. oh, she, she's she's no joke. Cerebus Tormo. She's beaten Mukova in this tournament. Mm. Yeah, that it's it was an unbelievable performance. And look, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Billie Jean King was sitting where you were sitting, <laughs> <laughs> and she's convinced Raducanu is going yeah. right to the top of the game. Yeah. And you know, she saw that before Raducanu had produced these displays at the US Open and, and in Raducanu's words she's playing better now than she is at Wimbledon and I would definitely agree with that she seems to be getting better every match really it, truly astonishing absolutely astonishing and she can, continues to just light up New York I mean I think half of half of New York must have a selfie with Emma Raducanu on their phone by now I think tournament organisers need to sort of make an addendum to the order of play and if you follow <laughs> if you follow Raducanu onto court you need a not before she's signed a thousand autographs and taken a thousand selfies you know with everyone in the in the stadium she was she's, doing it within moments of winning oh, it was the first thing she did yeah and yet somehow somehow there's there's not a vanity to it no it's, it's I don't know. How does she do that? I don't know. How is she not annoying? I don't know. I don't know. She's dazzling. She's uh, she's an absolute joy um, to have to talk about. It, not on the podcast and the Prime Video coverage. She just she just makes me smile. Mm. Makes me smile, and um, it's wonderful. And I and I don't think that's just because she's British. You know, I think we'd be okay. We'd maybe dedicate a tiny bit less airtime to her, but I do think we'd be talking about her in these terms, wherever she was from. Um, but we're we're really excited that she's British as well. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What else happened today should we start with the Arthur Ashe Stadium should we should we go to Novak Djokovic and a 17th consecutive win over Kei Nishikori which sounds bad for Kei Nishikori doesn't it but someone does beat Kei Nishikori 17 <laughs> times in a row <laughs> it sounds bad but there was there was more to it than that today wasn't there there was a lot more to it there really was um He'd lost 18 sets in a row to Djokovic on a hard court, Kane Shikori, and he won... Okay, still not sounding great. And he won the first set today. Okay. So that in itself felt like a triumph. And the next three sets were pretty one-sided on the scoreline, but were certainly not one-sided in how they played out. He was really challenged today, Novak Djokovic. It was his third longest match in a Grand Slam this season, you know, on on his quest to complete the Grand Slam. Only his French Open semi-final against Nadal and his French Open final against Tsitsipas were longer than this, you know, and he's had some he's had some tough matches. He especially in Australia, all of his wins at Wimbledon were pretty straightforward, but in Australia he had some tough ones and this was this was longer and you know, part of that was Nishikori has a similar style and they have some quite long rallies and but yeah he 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 really was tested I thought he was quite flat in the first set but then as soon as he broke at the start of the second he let out this incredible roar and he was just very engaged from that point on he sort of recognized the challenge and and went to meet it Um, I don't think he played his absolute best today I think there was some vulnerabilities actually went to the Nishikori press conference afterwards and I was oh. the I was the only 
um, person asking a question in English. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's always a difficult spot to be in. You were the press conference. Yes. Um, but Get a one-on-one said... on one with Kane Shikori today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said to him, you know, you've played Novak Djokovic a lot, but you've never played him when he's going for what he's going for. Could you sense any... Oh, great question. Could you sense any difference about him? You know, I was basically saying, how... How come you managed to win a set this time when you haven't won a set in the past? Um, and he said, no, like, honestly, it felt as hard as it always is to face Novak Djokovic. But he did say he must be feeling the pressure. You know, he, he just must, you know, he, inside. And I think we have seen that a little bit at this tournament so far. I think it's really going to come out when he's mm. really testing those latter rounds. But already we're seeing... How difficult this is for Novak Djokovic. The first round in particular, again today against Nishikori, he was pushed more than he normally is against Nishikori. So there is an indicator there, I think, of the stress Djokovic is feeling. He's going to play an American in the next round, Ooh. Jensen Brooksby. Well, actually, I've gone a bit early there, Matt. It is 40-15-5-3 to Jensen Brooksby <laughs> in the fifth set over Aslan Karatsev. Uh, we're not re-recording this podcast, if that's wrong, but I, I believe in you, Jensen. Um, and and I say that not only because Jensen Brooksby is fun, that's the, you know, that's the Vogue thing to say, isn't it? How fun Jensen Brooksby is. And he is. He's brilliant. Um, but because the crowd is going to be heavily against Novak Djokovic once again for that matchup. Oh, he's won. Thank goodness. <laughs> Sorry, Aslan. <laughs> um, and that was a feature of the match today. It wasn't a feature of the result. Um, I don't think it affected Novak Djokovic's tennis, but it certainly affected his demeanour. It affected his on-court on interview. I, I don't know if there's history between Djokovic and Darren Cahill that, that did the uh, did the interview, but Darren Cahill's First question to Djokovic was, you feeling the love out here, Novak? Um, and Djokovic said, I am now, um, because the crowd were cheering for him at that point, but it was very pointed. Um, mm. He's he's annoyed, I think. I think he's annoyed that they're not appreciating what he's trying to do and what they have the opportunity to to be present for. Um, and I get that. I I get that. I also think so long as they remain respectful, the crowd have the right to support whoever they whoever they like. And I, I think today they were respectful. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, I don't think there was any booing for Djokovic or no. anything anything like that. And I, I I think sort of both sides are right. Really, he probably does deserve a bit more support, but equally. Support who you like, so long as you're respectful. We've missed crowds. Yeah. We've missed, you know, the irrationality of crowds and the fact that, you know, thousands of people can rock up one day and watch somebody they'd never heard of uh, two hours ago and, you know, be cheering for them like they're a family member in the moment. That is the joy of crowds. So, um, yeah, I see it from all sides, but it, It's an interesting one. He didn't do the Wonder Bra again. The um, oh, did he not? He did not. No. So three matches so far, and he's only done his trademark love to the crowd celebration once. Interesting. He, yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
he mentioned Jensen Brooksby, didn't he? In his, mm, in that, he said in that press said conference, he's one of the guys. Interview. He's one of the guys that everyone's talking about in the locker room. And then he now, stole Andy Murray's line of comparing him to Florian Meyer. Yes, which everyone's everyone's doing as if like everyone knows who Florian Meyer is. Yeah. No offense, Florian Meyer. <laughs> Us lot know who he is, but it's not. You know, it's not a. He's not a touchstone. Oh God, <laughs> no. <a> <laughs> um. Yeah, he's never had so much airtime, Florian Meyer. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is going to be very interesting, isn't he? And I, I still do that because of because of tennis relived. I keep looking through Djokovic's draw and thinking, who's going to be the Vinci? Not necessarily beating Djokovic as Vinci did to Serena, but the one that you weren't expecting that does the thing that no, no one's expecting. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and someone he's not played before. Mm. Brooksby has. Quite a different game, I think, to a lot of players. He's got a quite unique style. I could see him causing some problems. I could. I, I think Novak Djokovic will win, but Brooksby's got game and he's got something about him. And as you said, with with the crowd behind him as well, that that does feel like another little tricky match for Djokovic. Matteo Berrettini won today in five sets over Ilya Ivashka. Um Someone has stopped Ivashka. <laughs> It's not a sentence I thought I would be saying. <laughs> it took quite an effort to stop Ivashka, though. Yeah. It took an awful lot of cheering from that Italian chef mm. uh, that is the most, speaking of crowds, the most vociferous tennis supporter there has ever been. Yeah, and I thought he was just a Matteo Berrettini mm, supporter. He is, isn't he? Well, he was, he was also at um, Yannick Sinner versus Gael Monfils, so he... He's clearly just an Italian tennis supporter because he was going, yeah. he was giving it big ones for Yannick Sinner as well. <laughs> Maybe that was just on his way out. <laughs> Popped in. Um, yeah, the the uh, the crowd were going nuts for Matteo Berrettini on uh, on the grandstand court. Really great atmosphere out there. Another one of those that's sort of as the sun's starting to set on a on a perfect New York day on grandstand. The crowd are going wild. Suddenly, there's loads of people that seem to know who Ilya Ravashka is. Maybe they're fans of the tennis podcast, but it was really good fun. And Matteo Berrettini in in Italian after after the match gave a really really great line sort of showed off his fangs almost didn't he he said he said let me uh, let me get the translation which is from Enrico Maria Riva on uh, on Twitter I feel like I belong in the Zverev Medvedev team and sits of pass group and I think they know it <laughs> I love I that love quote that. yeah I really do um because I've found it quite hard to play Sperattini a little bit. Fangs-wise. Fangs-wise, but also just where he sort of ranks in the pecking order. Mm. Is he part of that group or is he just outside? And Yeah, honestly, I, I realised I'd quite not forgotten about him, but wasn't thinking about him going into the US Open. I know he's not played much since Wimbledon, but he he wasn't in my thoughts really at all. No, um, same. Whereas he very much was throughout Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. 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 And he's reached... The last Grand Slam final. So mm. he absolutely should be in that category, I think. Mm. Uh, Berrettini will face in the next round Oscar Otter. Yes. Who wins the celebration contest for the day. 
He gave he gave good scenes <laughs> on court number seventeen today. He beat thirty seven year old uh, Andreas Seppi. So somehow Oscar Rossa winning is a victory for the movement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he's Mats Aslan Karatsev. He's he's Mats new Aslan Karatsev. That's how we're selling him, folks. <laughs> well, I mean. There are similarities in terms of a guy who has spent quite a number of years grinding away and suddenly has started having a result at a slam and has sort of entered people's consciousness and garnered quite a lot of attention. And it's not quite as sudden as Aslan Karatsev. That was, you know, really out of the blue. This He has actually built to this, hasn't he? We, he, he won the first two sets against mm. Berev at Roland Garros. He played Murray at Wimbledon and that was five sets. But yeah, I mean, he saved match points in two qualifying matches this tournament. You know, he, he very nearly didn't even make it into the main draw. He he had quite a kind draw once he got into the main draw. He, I think his best win was probably Lorenzo Sonigo, who's got quite a bit about him. And Seppi's obviously a good good win. And yeah, he, he earns two hundred sixty five thousand US dollars for this run. I mean, that wow. is completely life changing. Uh, third qualifier into the men's round of 16, uh, which I think is the most ever, most for a long time. going to confidently and vaguely say <laughs> it's, at the very least, it's the most for a very long time. Uh, Yannick Sinner won today with the help of Monsieur Italian Chef. Monsieur is not Italian, that is French. <laughs> uh, Signor, no, Spanish. Don? Don, sure. Uh, with Don Italian Chef in in the support camp, he won 6-4 in the fifth over Gael Morfis. He was not quite cruising, I don't think, against Morfis. Tight first set, 7-6, 6-2. I think he was a break-up sinner in the third. He was. Um, it was all going swimmingly, and then Morfis made it about Morfis by the looks of things and started conducting proceedings and made it for everybody but Yannick Sinner wonderful yeah totally we had some messages today from some tennis podcast listeners who were there and you know one of them was planning to head out to another court and just didn't because Gail Monfils started being Gail Monfils and someone had been supporting Gail Monfils but never seen him play live and just it was every bit as good as he expected it to be I think the crowd were 90% for Monfils in that stadium. You know, I mean, they, they had nothing against Yannick Sinner at all, but they were swept up by what he was doing. He was he was four love down in in the fourth set, Monfils. You know, after after dropping the third, Sinner had really quite sort of coldly regained control of it, having, yeah, let it slip in the third. And Monfils reeled off six games in a row to win the fourth set. And the crowd was, just the noise was unbelievable in the Lewis Armstrong Stadium. And then real credit to Sinner, actually, for getting it together again and being really resilient in that fifth set. I think for Sinner, he showed quite a lot of emotion. And, you know, when he dropped the fourth set, he he banged the side of the court in frustration. And, yeah, I, I was impressed with his with his resilience to be able to overcome what Monfils was doing and the crowd and the 
And the level of tennis was fantastic. Really athletic rallies and lots of great shot making from both of them. Just another one to add to the list of excellent, excellent matches at this US Open. Sinner now awaits the winner of uh, tonight's yet-to-be-played match between Alexander Zverev and Jack Sock, which we expect to be Zverev, but Sock carries a 2-1 head-to-head into that. Zverev's serving stats, incidentally, ahead uh, of that match for the tournament so far, are fearsome. He hasn't even faced a break point wow. yet. It's, uh, yeah, fearsome stuff. Um, there are three other... So, so two other men's matches yet to be completed. When is an upset not an upset? Denis Shapovalov is losing to Lloyd Harris. Um, long way to go. Just uh, just a set down for all in the second. And Riley Pelka is a set up on Nikolaus Basilashvili as we come to you. Uh, Ash Barty is now a set apiece and a break up in the third. So... Let's take you through the other women's matches that we've had today, starting with not only a straight sets win for Bianca Andreescu, uh, but one that only took her an hour and seven minutes. That's literally sort of less than a third of the length of several of the matches that she's played <laughs> this year. Uh, one and two over Greek Minim, which I know is a you know it's a decent draw, playing a lucky loser, but given the the two years she's had and the fact that Bianca Andreescu has been able to make meals of mm. of pretty much anything I think that's a very big result for her actually it's big for her to be into the second week of a slam this slam she's still never lost at the US Open yeah 10 and 0 and I think it was the performance she's been aiming towards really I mean I think she's she's spoken very interestingly about trying to simplify her game and trying to be more efficient on the court and this sort of this performance just embodied that change in mindset and look something needed to change for Andrescu I didn't necessarily think it would have to be the way she played but she was playing too many long matches she was getting injured too often and she won in spite of all that in 2019 and I think that's been difficult for her to then make an adjustment because she thinks well I managed it in 2019. Why can't I still manage it now? Um, but there's been a real realisation. And yeah, I mean, look, it's not a drastic change of game style, but she's just ending points quicker. She's crushing the ball. She's not using all of the variety she has. I think I think she can still fall back on all that, which will be a great weapon for her going forward. And I think the real test of this shift in game style will be when she plays some higher ranked opponents later in the tournament but so far so good for Andrescu and she's really kind of glowing actually with Mm. with just how happy she is to be properly in a tournament again Mm. for the first time in in a while certainly since Miami Mm. Coco was there Uh, didn't didn't make as many appearances as we sometimes see I think it was quite hot for her it was it was the first Andrescu Mm. day session match but she was still there She's a trooper. <laughs> um, Andrescu will now face Maria Sakkari in the fourth round. She's in the fourth round for the second consecutive year. She she lost to Serena last year, didn't she? She looks a better player to me uh, than the one that reached the fourth round last year. And and you know we were we were full of praise and admiration for her then, as I recall. But um, it, it wasn't even close against Petra Kvitova 
today and okay, Kvitova didn't didn't put up a huge amount of fight by the looks of things against Sakari, but she looked at a she looked at a bit of a loss. I I really don't think of Sakari as a as a big server or certainly someone for whom the serve is a weapon, but I think she had nine aces today. Wow. Um and she's she said the serve was the biggest feature of that win. Um and obviously she was moving like a dream and doing everything right and I think that's going to be really good. When they met in Miami, it Seven, was brilliant. in the third, wasn't it? It was absolutely brilliant. Probably Sakari should have won that, actually. Yeah, I think that's one of the many mm. sort of matches that got away from Sakari this yeah. season. And it is going to be interesting because as, as well as Sakari is playing, I do think she has a, a closing problem with tight matches. She's good at winning from losing positions. We saw that against Pagula in Miami, mm. didn't, she, didn't we? But... I do think she can also do the opposite and, and really tighten up from a winning position. And I c- it's hard to see that one not being close somehow. So I, I think that's going to be very interesting. We've got Belinda Bencic against Iga Sviantek in the fourth round. That's a yes, please, isn't it? Big time. I was quite excited for Pagula Bencic. Mm. And I must say it was... Quite disappointing. Disappointing. And then I looked at their head-to-head and realised it was 2-0 and and maybe it just doesn't work for Pegula for whatever reason. Yeah. I, d- I wasn't able to watch the match in much detail. but Well, that well that, that was my impression from watching some of it. Um, they met at the Olympics in the first round, actually, and obviously Bengtrich won that and went on to win the gold. But I didn't see that match, so I didn't know how it played out and I wasn't... I just wasn't sure how they would match up. And the answer is exactly as you've said. Every every shot Pagula hit just seemed to go straight to where Bengcic wanted it to go. And it just looks such a one-sided matchup. Um, it's confusing why some matchups work and some don't. You know, the way Pagula has caused Pliskova so many mm. problems this year. And yet it just didn't work against Bengcic. But I must say, Bengcic is playing... Very, very well. And kind of similar to what we're saying about Berrettini, I have overlooked, I think, Me Belinda too, Bencic. big time. W- wasn't in my predictions. No, and, you know, she came into this on a winning streak and having just won the Olympic gold. But I didn't see that as a sort of career-turning moment for mm. Bencic. I thought it might be a career-defining moment. And look, it could still be, but... She's playing very well and she likes New York. She's had runs here before mm. and I think she's she's dangerous in this in this draw. Karolina Pliskova is quietly making her way through straight sets tonight over Isla Tomljanovic. She, she had 20 aces in that ooh, match. It, this is this is a service paradise yeah. this tournament. And yet it's also not a boring a boring tournament mm. being won by boring serving performances. I mean should say neither of us are watching Riley Apelka against Nikolaus Basilashvili right now. <laughs> Maybe those that are would have a different view, but it's somehow, it seems to be a perfect court speed. Yeah, and I think the conditions since the storm mm. are actually perfect. Mary Carrillo was telling us how nice it's been in New York, kind of just gorgeous weather since that storm. And I think the humidity has gone out of the air a little bit. Certainly these last couple of days, it it, it might turn again. But yeah, and the other thing Pliskova's got is she's playing having saved a match point now. And I just, 
I'm always yeah, fascinated by that. I, I think you see it so often. Players end up winning tournaments, having saved a match point along the way. There's something psychological that it does to you. Yeah. And, you know, she very close match in the second round where she saved that match point. She's come out and absolutely crushed Tomjanovic today. She will likely face Pavlyuchenkova in the next round. She is uh, yet to take to the court against Vivara Gracheva. That's later on tonight. Tomorrow's schedule, Sunday, starts on Ash with Svitolina against Halep. Mm. Into that. Into that. We're also into Dan Evans against Daniil Medvedev. Very much. Do expect Medvedev to win, but, oh, it could be all sorts of pantomime fun, <laughs> I think. It could be all the right kinds of aggro. Yes, I remember they were due to meet in one of the lead-in tournaments for the US Open. I can't remember which one. And it ended up being Bublik Medvedev again. Bublik beat Evans. Oh, yes. And I remember really wanting it to be Evans Medvedev because Bublik Medvedev had been a letdown in terms of matches and pantomime aggro. And I thought Evans could bring it and... Now we get the chance to see if he will. Evans never lets us down. <laughs> um, under the lights on Arthur Ashe tomorrow night, it's Tiafo against Ujjar Eliassim, which I'm very much here for. What I'm not here for is the women's match being put on after that. It's just completely the wrong way around. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, there's just no way that's a quick match and it's followed by Krachikova Muguruza. And no one wants to see that getting onto court at 11pm, which is an entirely plausible scenario. Um, we'll probably be up watching it, <laughs> even if that is the scenario <laughs> no, that plays Kale. Um So yeah, Krachikova, Muguruza, goodness me. Louis Armstrong Stadium tomorrow uh, starts with Botic van der Zandschorp against uh, Diego Schwartzman. Um, we promise that we promised that we'll do an Ilya Ivashka-style deep dive on Botic van der Zandschulp if he beats Diego Schwartzman tomorrow. But we'll we'll preserve our energy um, until until that happens. Then there's Angelique Kerber against Leila Fernandez. going to be very interesting to see if she can back up that Osaka win. Um, I'm, I find it... I find, I'm finding Kerber irresistible at the mm-hmm. moment. Mertens against Savalenka. Doubles partners. Yes. Hmm. Sabalenka does tend to have her measure. Um, yeah. And, and and very much had the measure of Daniel Collins yesterday. Yeah, that was sort of the match which didn't quite deliver on, mm. on the hype. But Merton's got a very good win over Ons Jabur. There doesn't seem to be a night session on Lewis Armstrong tomorrow. I don't know if that's normal. Uh, but it's it's certainly not on the schedule I'm looking at on the US Open app. Uh, Goyovchik against Alcaraz. Uh, that is not before 5pm on the grandstand court following on from three doubles matches. And there must be another rogue singles match that I'm looking for somewhere, but it's it's not on the schedule. I'm confused by the schedule. Um, that Those are all the singles matches that are listed. Um, yeah. Can Alcaraz back it up? He sh- I mean, he's it's such a different match because he's the favourite. Yeah, but I think he can. I have a lot of faith in Alcaraz, and I think he can. I think Goyovchik's played an awful lot of tennis to this point. And Alcaraz, yes, he looked a bit physically in trouble in, in, in those latter stages, but it didn't impact his tennis, and I think he will. Mats, Mats, 
Matt's Chris Clary style future credibility depends on Carlos Alcaraz. He wants to be able to say Chris Clary style in twenty years' time. <laughs> there's there's one guy that I that I looked at and said he's definitely a future number one, and that was Carlos Alcaraz, and that was in Barcelona when he was six years old. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he'll back it up as well. I do, and I'm sure if David were here, he would excitedly say that Alcaraz was going to back it up. David as well. would would be. So cross with us if we took all the hype out of that. (laughs) We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. Just for you, David. Get well soon. We miss you. Uh, We hope David will be back on the pod um, in the coming days. Seeing as he's not, though, I've got to do the housekeeping. We've got mascots. Zeus is with me. We had we had a strong start, Zeus. It's tailed off a little bit, but we're we're keeping gas in the tank. Uh, for the strong finish. Uh, Scousel Mousel is Matt's. Rogue is David's. Uh, he had a good day yesterday with Francis Tiafo Rogue. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King. She's in the teepee at the moment. The US Open is... It's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> it's no joke, the US Open. <laughs> uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and extremely top bloke. Lloyd Harris has taken the second set against Dennis Shapovalov, one of our prediction oh he's matt's just smugly waved his hand um that's the prediction i wanted i got left with the crumbs crumbs the jessica pagula crumbs off the table (laughs) um we have shout outs matt who are they for they're for arvind palmer no evidence that it's not thank you very much arvind palmer slash whatever other arvind it might be we like arvind palmer and we like like whatever alternative Arvind this might be. We have Don Kinter. Oh. Like Don like, like Don Don Felipe. Don <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Don. <laughs> much appreciated. And we have Wright Brian. You're absolutely sure that's the right way round? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like Wright Thompson, the um American sports writer. It's a, it's a very it's 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 a very American thing, mm. isn't it? British it's very un British. It's very very parochial British of me to question that. Ah on that note, <laughs> get well soon, David. Keep being brilliant, US Open, because this is it's shaping up to be it's shaping up to be a US Open that we do a relived show about yes, in a few the years. The whole time. tournament. Yeah. And and other people have said this, this is not an original point, but I think it's worth saying this is without Serena, without Federer, without Nadal, without team. We miss all those players. Their absence is felt. You know, Del Potro, Venus Williams, you can put all of these players in. But I think it's significant that we're talking about a great US Open and they're not here. You know, it's going to be okay when they are not around permanently. Very good point. We don't need Federer back. We just need David back. Get well <laughs> soon, David. Uh, sign up to the newsletter, everyone. Tell your friends. Leave us an iTunes review. All of it. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.